There's a lot of uncertainty in this ride as an entrepreneur. And as you can imagine, when there's that much uncertainty, it's very easy to find ourselves in this place of fear, stress, anxiety, where we kind of burn ourselves out because we feel like no matter what we do, it's never enough. You're listening to the Start Right Now podcast, and I'm your host, Chloe McKenzie. I'm excited to help you get off the sidelines and finally step into your calling. So let's get started right now. Welcome back to another episode of the Start Right Now podcast. Today, I have with me an incredible guest. Uh, She's got some new news to share, even about some of the projects that she's working on. But one of the accolades you'd add to her list is being a Wall Street uh, best-selling author. It's Victoria Song. She has spent the last 10 years studying and becoming one of the world's best coaches, She's worked with therapists, healers, and she's really uh, an expert in the leadership, personal development space. Um, She's got a new book. She's going to share a whole ton with us, but I'm really excited to welcome to the show today, Victoria Song. Hi, Chloe. Such a pleasure to be on your show. Ah, it's so good to have you here because, you know, as I start digging into bits of your story, you've got a really interesting framework for uh, a topic that gets talked about a lot in terms of peak performance, personal development, and just ways to improve. So I'm really looking forward to our chat today. Same. Now, you've got a really interesting background. You, while you work with a lot of people now uh, in terms of getting them to their best self, you've got an interesting background as a, a venture capitalist. Tell me about that and how did you make that transition to what you're doing now? Yeah, so I was an investor from about 2010 to 2016. And I worked with a lot of tech founders, uh, entrepreneurs starting technology businesses. And I loved it. I loved working with founders. But what I started to notice in my own life, in my classmates, colleagues, clients' lives was that people were really chasing success at the cost of their personal lives, their well-being, their romantic partnership, their family, just everything that really mattered to them. And I decided kind of in a bit of an existential awakening that I wanted to find a way to be a part of creating a solution or a new paradigm for success on the planet that doesn't cost us everything. Well, I can appreciate you would have encountered that a lot. I mean, you, the accolades under your belt are, are no joke. A Forbes 30 under 30 list, uh, you know, a graduate from Yale and Harvard Business School. Um, you know, what's it like in thinking about, you know, at this moment when you can look back at all these high pressure environments where you're you were pushed to achieve and you achieved all these big things. And now you're like taking a step back and reevaluating what does success even look like? Yeah, it's interesting because I just had this conversation with my partner, which was that while I've been very fortunate to have um, had these accolades, as you mentioned, I don't know if I actually felt proud of myself until very recently. <laughs> like, I think there was something about chasing this external validation and the thing that seemed impressive to other people, but uh, I wasn't happy. And it was becoming clearer and clearer to me that there was a void that no achievement was really going to fill. And ultimately, I think. That's partly why I left VC and I left kind of doing the the seeking for external validation and I started working on myself. And then the work that I do today is really an extension of what I've discovered has been able to transform my life and then my clients' lives and what I share in my book, Bending Reality, How to Make the Impossible Probable. So yeah, I would say like, yeah, you know, I was telling my partner, like I've I'm only now 
really proud of the business that I created today and the work and the service and the gifts that I'm able to express in the world. It's like the first time that I really proud of the woman I am and that I feel like I'm just so committed to becoming a better version of myself every day. And I don't know if I've ever really accepted and found that validation from within until the work that I do now. Mm. What was missing for you then compared to what's in your life now? Yeah, I think before I was not able to connect to, you know, my own internal compass of like what brought me joy. It seemed impossible to make money doing something that I actually enjoyed doing. It seemed impossible to make money doing something that was high impact to the planet. It felt like they were trade-offs that I would have to choose between. I grew up in a Chinese cultural family where they really value like going to med school, becoming a lawyer, working on Wall Street. And those are sort of the professions that most of my classmates from Yale and Harvard pursued. I think it was really hard to hear my own inner voice amongst all of that clear direction of like, here's what success looks like. And kind of being told that from a young age from your parents and then your school system, and then feeling like you're kind of comparing yourself to your graduates, you know, and feeling like, am I, am I behind? Am I head? Am I exactly where I'm supposed to be? Um, and so I think, um, what was missing was my ability to hear myself in the midst of all of that. And it wasn't until I left that path and kind of detoxed in a way by like really committing to not taking another job that felt like it was just about it sounding good or impressing other people and sounding prestigious, but really being honest with myself of like, does this light me up? You know, is this a business that I'm excited about um, regardless of how many people are part of my programs? Like, am I excited to wake up to do what I do every day? And I'm sure you feel this way. It's like when you started this podcast, you had to just commit to showing up big and loving this, no matter how many people were listening at first. And then that's the only way to ultimately be successful, I believe. But I think I used to do it backwards and chase success without knowing the truth of what brought me joy and then felt surprised by hitting the target, but not feeling any happier or any relief from getting that success. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that's something I figured out for myself and something that I'm now really um, supporting others and doing the same. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting, especially as you know somebody who's ambitious, it's so hard sometimes to hear your voice above the noise of others and almost discern like what is actually the thing that you want versus the things you think you're supposed to want or, you know, you know, having other people's vision for you feed into that. So I love that um, bending reality really touches on how to tap into and listen for what's really going on with yourself so you can be true to the thing that calls you. So tell us all about this juicy book and uh, how do we make the impossible more probable? Yes. So one of the main things I help my clients with, and then I go in detail in the book, is how to create more of that mind-body connection. So how to find the wisdom in your feelings, in your physical body, um, really how to not constantly live in your head, which I think is something that a lot of overachievers do, is we're um, very intelligent and we mentally spin on things and we have all sorts of what-if scenarios of like what can go wrong, and that's kind of where we live. I believe that there's so much wisdom and truth if we can tune into what things feel like actually in our body, like what our thoughts feel like in our body, what our actions take, you know, are they triggering feelings of fear or are they triggering feelings of excitement? Again, like I couldn't tap into joy for myself because I was living so much in my head and trained to stay there. 
And anything in my physical body that was uncomfortable immediately would put me back into my head. Like I didn't really want to go there. One of the first things that I I talk about in the book isn't something we can kind of just do right now on this call is I want you to imagine, Chloe, something from the past week that felt really unpleasant, like something didn't go the way you wanted it to go. Yep. Got it. That was really Okay, great. And when you tune into that, what do you notice is going on in your physical body, like with your heart rate, with your breathing? Definitely. I almost feel like a a tension or like a tightness in my chest, but then also Mm -hmm. in my guts. And you almost have that physical feeling of like cowering from the experience, Mm -hmm. like not wanting to relive it. So you feel almost like a shrinking. I feel almost like a shrinking within my body. Perfect. Yeah. So this first state is one that I call in the book contraction. And it's a state that surprisingly a lot of us live in day to day without realizing it. It's the state that um, our nervous system is a little bit wound up in, tighter in. It's um, a state where we're likely to be vigilant. Here we're kind of scanning our environment for threats. um, And it's easy to trigger our fight flight response from here. And um, as you can imagine, when you're when you're in the space, like how much connection do you have to things like creativity, inspiration, possibilities? It's not a great place to be, not a very empowering place to be for sure. Yeah, exactly. And so what I have found is that, you know, if you live through your days from a place of feeling like no matter what I do, I'm always behind, time's running out, I can't get it done. There's always another fire to put out. If you're an entrepreneur, you know that you're always outside your comfort zone, facing something unknown that you've never done before. There's a lot of uncertainty in this ride as an entrepreneur. And as you can imagine, when there's that much uncertainty, it's very easy to find ourselves in this place of fear, stress, anxiety, where we kind of burn ourselves out because we feel like no matter what we do, it's never enough. And this is a state that I believe we um, unconsciously live in and actually bends our reality in an unfavorable direction. And then the opposite of the state is I'm going to ask you, Chloe, to tune into an event this week that you enjoyed that brought joy, gratitude, excitement. Yep. I'm there. Okay. Perfect. And what do you notice in your body when you tune into this event? I definitely feel a lightness or like a lifting type of sensation, uh, like an openness, almost like an openness to receive, but you like feel almost like feel the feelings of joy, like rise from within you. Beautiful. And I love what you said that this openness to receive, because this is a state that I call in the book, expansion. So in every moment you can ask yourself, do I feel expanded or contracted right now? Because I agree with you that in this state of receptivity, you're more likely to experience your intuition, hear it, trust it. Um, You're also more likely to receive uh, what I call like synchronicities, right? And depending on what your faith or spiritual inclination is, you might believe that comes for different reasons, but I believe that we're always being guided and your receptivity to tuning into that guidance is a lot clearer from this state of expansion. Um, and so this is a state that I really break down um, through five codes and 11 unlearnings that guide the reader to consciously live from expansion so they can begin to bend reality in the direction they want. When now that we have this framework, um, something that I think we can map it to are the thoughts we have, the feelings we have, the actions we take. We hear them as limiting beliefs or um, patterns, programming blind spots. But now that you have this framework, you could probably imagine like, okay, how many of your thoughts on a day-to-day basis are actually thoughts that put you in a state of contraction versus thoughts that make you feel expansive? 
I assuming there's a little bit of trickery that's happening here in terms of the mind body connection and how we can almost prime ourselves for more expansion and to reduce the contraction, right? What are some of the ways that we can move to be in a more expansive state? One of the things that's very popular that I'm sure you've heard of is like the power of visualization that leads to manifesting and just the ability that, you know, athletes and Olympians actually put themselves through, which is they imagine winning the event, you know, they imagine getting the gold medal and they experience themselves and actually feel like their muscles are firing off, like they're actually doing the race. That is one way, as you said, mind-body trickery. You can close your eyes and take a moment to feel with all five senses the outcome that you want coming true. If you came to me as a client and said, like, I want to increase my wealth, like I want to become a wealthy human. I don't want to live in scarcity anymore or fear of like money running out. I just want to be a wealthy human. Then I might ask you, okay, well, why don't you tune in for a moment and close your eyes and imagine how would it feel to be a wealthy being in your body, you know, and like with all five senses. So what do you see? What do you feel? Like, what do you hear? What are you eating? What are you tasting? What are your clothes like? Um, You know, it's like going through the whole sensory experience and When you can start to take your body there, it's almost like you're programming your nervous system to the future that you want versus the history that it's used to. Because so often our bodies are conditioned to continue whatever the environment was that maybe we're still trying to avoid. Maybe our childhoods were hard. Maybe there was unsafety. Maybe there was something hard and volatile with where we came from. And then our body can carry that fear, that gut needing to kind of look over our shoulder, feeling like we need to protect ourselves and be defensive. And even though our current environment may not require that, we are still operating like that because our body tends to um, remember its history and hold on to that. So in a way, it's like our, our biography becomes our biology. And the way to break free of that and to rewire that is to start giving your nervous system the repetition of feeling in its being, like, what is it like to have the things that you want to be the person that you want to do the things that you want? And then over time, your body will start to relax and get to that expansive place and in a way, rewire your nervous system to a new reality. Mm, So super interesting. How much of this could we or should we be thinking about as we form our daily habits and routines, if somebody were to take the concepts from this book and try to implement them so that they have some effect right away, walk me through what should we be thinking about as we wake up in the morning and as we lay our head down at night? My first thing is, what are activities that feel like a 10 for you? You know, the things that put you in that flow state that bring you joy. They can be as simple as like the ritual of making yourself coffee in the morning. They could be that workout that you do. They could be walking your dogs, playing with your children, having a date night with your partner, like whatever it is, you just start to think like, okay, dancing, singing, taking a bath or a hot shower, just for me, like all of these things put me into expansion. How much time are you really allowing, giving yourself permission to entrain your body to this state? And so one of the first things, uh, chapter exercises in the book actually, is to think through all the activities that are 10 that expand you, that feel joyful for you when you do them. And then to make sure that you know how to use your time in a way that actually puts you in this state. Because I think a lot of people find it like a nice to have, or how is that really productive? But truly, if you know that living from a place of expansion would make you more creative, more 
receptive to inspiration, then you would actually commit to putting yourself more and more in the state. And that's actually the counterintuitive thing is that we often think success comes from struggle, sacrifice, fear, pushing, making things happen. But I believe that that kind of success not only costs you everything, but caps out the level of success that you can achieve. And if you know how to create success from a place of your gratitude, the love of your work, your mission, your passion, your purpose, your flow state, your state of expansion, you can make quantum leaps, collapse time, create outcomes that are defying odds. Um, And that's why I say make the impossible probable, because I think that you're going to hit a local maximum when you're trying to push to force things to happen. And then when you find that flow and you're aligned from a place of expansion, that's when you start to make the quantum leaps. There's two parts of this, right? There is uh, imagining and trying to be centered from the place of expansion and the really positive goals and things that you want to achieve. For me, as an example, personally, to that to me is a little bit, comes a little bit easier than trying to fight off the triggers. So it's when you encounter something that is, you know, throws your game off, throws your mood off, your emotions. There's an everyday stress. The kids are driving you crazy. There's something in life that happens uh, that throws off that balance, even with the best of intentions to visualize and be in a positive state. How do you manage emotions and try to keep yourself like in your lane when all these other unknowns are, are in the background? Yeah. So I would say that's two parts. The first is by doing what feels like it's a nice to have, which is put yourself in joy and expansion. You're actually giving your nervous system a sense of safety that makes you more resilient and able to handle the low points in life. So I think the reason why things throw us off so easily is when our nervous system is tight and pretty wound up, right? It's, you can, you know that your nervous system is tight and wound up when things like a vacation is really hard for you, like actually relaxing feels really challenging and you get restless. And after a couple of days, you're like, I can't just sit here and do nothing. Cause it's like, you, you need to be constantly doing things. That's a sign that your nervous system is actually so used to um, kind of always being in action that calm and relaxation is too unfamiliar. And so One thing is by doing things that feel like a 10 for you, being more in that gratitude, connecting more to your mission, being aligned with your values. Like these are all things that give your nervous system that sense of, "Ah, I can breathe. And when you can breathe and you feel safe, then those moments that surprise you, catch you off guard, they don't feel as triggering and they don't um, hijack your system as easily as when your nervous system is super wound up and those things happen. And the way to relax your nervous system beyond things that are obvious, like self-care, meditate, breath work, you know, do things that feel like a 10 for you is actually to feel your emotions. And that's something that the book really uh, goes deep into, which I think is missing from a lot of the personal development space, which is we're so often trained to just, like you said, focus on the positive and put ourselves in a good state that we don't know what to do with ourselves when we feel anger, sadness, triggers, traumas, memories, And what I have found is that when you don't feel an emotion, you actually freeze it in your body and it's left unprocessed. And then it's sort of like having all your browser tabs open. It just slows down your whole system. And then it takes more energy over time for you to numb or keep that emotion down. And 
these emotions often, these triggers often represent these landmines that were planted when we were children. The first times we felt rejected, the first times we might've been punished or hit or lost, you know, the love and care that we thought from a parent because of something we did or didn't do. And these moments end up causing us to do things as an adult, like avoid conflict, don't have that hard conversation. Don't lose, you know, like and acceptance by telling that person your truth. Like, where are we biting our tongue because we want to avoid feeling that loss of acceptance that we maybe been bullied when we we're growing up? Whatever it was, we all have our different stories around it. I believe that those emotions have been frozen in our system for so long. And that's why things that are activated in our adult life can feel and put us back to such a triggering state. And I believe that the only way to really release it out of your system is to allow yourself to safely feel it and to go there and to let it flow through you. Part of the guides that I offer in the book is like, how can you be with your emotions? And the reason this is important as an entrepreneur is because if you don't know how to be with the feeling of disappointment, the fear of what people might think, the fear of failure, the fear of letting people down, whatever it is, if you can't be with those uncomfortable emotions, you will avoid situations and people that might trigger those things, which means you never really learn what you're made of because you stay in your comfort zone and don't take the risks required to really reach your full potential. So I think that part of emotional intelligence really and emotional mastery is learning like, how can I know that I can be with my anger I don't have to take it out on anyone. I don't have to play hot potato or project it on anyone, but I can maybe scream into a pillow or go punch a punching bag or run it out, you know, but let the anger flow through my system versus judge myself and tell myself I shouldn't feel angry. Because I think so often as adults, we compound these negative emotions by saying things like, oh, I'm angry. I'm upset that I'm angry. Now I'm upset with that person that I'm angry. Now I feel bad. I ruined my day. Now I feel bad that I feel sad. And it's like, we go down this downward spiral because we've learned that negative emotions are bad and we shouldn't feel them. But if instead we actually learned, oh, nothing's wrong. I can be angry and I'm okay. Like I can be sad. I can cry and everything's fine. And when we start to relate to our emotions like that, there's a sense of emotional freedom where we no longer need to avoid people or situations that might trigger an unpleasant emotion. You know, you start to learn like, oh, the emotions are just like the 88 keys of a piano or just like the richness of life. And, um, and I, I, I give so many reasons for why this is important, but one of them is because emotions are just energy in motion and you can't selectively numb negative emotions and only feel positive emotions, which is why things like antidepressants really pull down your whole range, right? Um, they help you with the lows, but then they also limit your highs. And so if you want to feel more aliveness in your life, if you want to have moments in your life that take your breath away, that feel like the richness and joy of aliveness, it's important to learn how to be with your sadness, your grief, your pain, your anger, and all of that. If I could, if we're at a, if I was at a poetry slam, I'd be giving you snaps right now. I know, I know people felt that one. I know I felt it, especially when you think about all the, all the time you spend trying to avoid the negative feelings, the, the fear, the, the judgment, the uncertainty. You spend so much energy, especially in your ambitions and things that you're trying to pursue, trying to avoid the negative when you could be harnessing it processing yeah, it, letting it using strengthen it to, you. Yeah. Using it to energize you and move you in a direction. I love that. Such a powerful reframe. I love that. Thanks for saying the poetry. Cause I do believe that artistry and creation is, is really an alchemy of the pain and the sadness and these quote unquote negative emotions and learning how to let that fuel our creations and our visions and our, um, yeah, all the creativity that comes through. 
Mm-hmm. You, you use this term unlearning. And when I think about uh, the fact that you are an advisor to top CEOs and people who are really high performers, I'm curious about those types of groups in particular. What are some of the patterns you see in particular with this group about things that they have to unlearn or, or process in a different way in order to, to be their best? So we touched on some of them around like, you know, unlearnings around emotions and kind of going into the eye storm and feeling them. I think another unlearning is that the thing that you're going to be a master at is the thing that actually feels like play for you. So there are a lot of things you can do. And I'm sure everyone tuning in is very talented. And sometimes it's almost like a paradox of choice of like, I have a lot of talents. What's the one thing I'm supposed to do with my life? You know, Um, and There are many things one can do, but the thing that is going to get you access to your extraordinary capabilities, like mastery in your field, is the thing that when you do feels like play. Um, And that is an unlearning because I think as kids, we play and then as adults, we find it frivolous and like who has time for play. Um, But what I have found is that, you know, whether it's an engineer who feels like problem solving is a game and they're having fun or it's the athlete who loves the game and feels like they're just playing a game, which they are when, you know, they're playing their sports, whatever that is for you, it actually brings this sense of joy and play. And I believe that that's so key because you don't need to be motivated to play. When you're a kid, no one's like having to teach you or tell you to play. And so as an adult, you start to feel like you're in your zone of genius. You feel that expansive flow state. You feel like you're in your peak performance when what you're doing feels like play for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was furiously typing notes there because what came to me was there's obviously a lot of reading and and perspective around follow your passion. And I'll use that really broadly. I think it's interesting. The more that I read, I feel like there's some misinformation there. Not that the premise in itself is wrong, but in that when you're in this state of joy, in this state of doing things that are easy and natural to you, um, you're in a more, it sounds like expansive state um, and your your chances of success are, are much um, higher. So I just wanted to call that out because I think it's really interesting, just perspective shift there on how that advice maybe could just be a little bit more powerful if we're to tweak it a little bit. I love that. No, it's such good discernment. And, you know, I have this part in the book where I say like, what do all of these things have in common? Like imagine, you know, the person who gets their solution when they're taking a shower or they are going for a run or the person who thinks their socks are lucky and like wears the same socks to the trading floor or the person who eats fried chicken before every baseball game, right? It's like that, um, it's that feeling of expansion in their body. Like when you trust something works and you feel excited and you like believe something works um, or you're in that state where your nervous system is relaxed, that's when your genius comes through. Um, and so, yeah, so when you're in play, that happens. When your system is relaxed, like going for a run or taking a shower, your system's relaxed. Um, that's why aromatherapy works because when you're smelling something really nice, your nervous system is in that expansive place and you're able to get the solution that you couldn't figure out when you were so hyper-focused on it, you know? I have so many clients tell me like, yeah, when I stopped trying to figure it out, it hit me. Um, So anyway, I I love that take on, yeah, like how to get yourself into peak performance. And it really is, I believe, a recipe for luck. When people say like, why is that person so lucky? I see it as that person must have been able to change the odds because they accessed expansion. Like they were able to be excited, passionate, 
believe and trust and have faith that what they are going after could work. And being in that expansive state is what I think makes lucky charms work for people. <laughs> it's what makes people lucky. And it's what, as you said, allows you to have a higher chance of succeeding. Mm, is that part of your recipe when you say that people can make their own luck? It really Yes, it with, is. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. The whole book kind of like builds and is like, okay, now that you understand this framework, here are all the other implications. And that is one of the key ones. And I think that is partly why in personal development work, we spend so much time on things like uncover your mission statement, uncover your values. Um, what's your zone of genius? What do you love to do? Because imagine when you feel on purpose, when you have this bigger context for why what you're doing matters, when you feel like an authentic expression of you, these are all things that feel really expansive in your body, right? They all feel really good. Um, they bring you that sense of excitement, joy, gratitude, right? That's why everyone says gratitude is like the biggest thing that everyone could be doing more of. Because when you feel grateful, what does that feel like? Your heart opens up, you feel grounded, you feel expansive. You know, these are the states that I think make up what people call peak performance or what athletes call flow state. Mm -hmm. uh, I would love for you to share. Um, there's a, a couple of things that really stood out to me in the work that you do, particularly on meditation and on manifestation. And you have a, a position that, you know, manifesting doesn't work, but um, there are some things that we could think about doing instead. Can we touch on that a little bit? It's funny because I I did I wanted to clarify that manifestation by just thinking about what you want to happen is not going to make it happen. Um, first of all, I think you know you can't just sit there and think about without taking action. First of all, like that, I think we all know that as entrepreneurs. But more importantly, I think in order to manifest anything, and, and maybe even manifestation is kind of a funny word. We can even just say like to create the outcome that you want. I believe you want to get your thoughts, feelings, and actions aligned with that outcome. So for me, if I want to be a successful coach or say a successful book author, the thoughts that would support that, that are expansive feeling are thoughts like, I can do this. I feel like a good writer. I feel like my message matters. I feel like the work that I'm doing is working and helping people. I can see evidence for it. My clients' lives are changing, right? Like those are all self-supporting thoughts. Thoughts that don't align with that outcome are thoughts like, who am I? Do I have what it takes? But I've never written a book before. It's so hard to be a book author, right? Those are thoughts that are actually very contractive in my body. So the first step is just going through the thoughts related to this outcome and identifying, okay, my impending doom generator is coming up with like all these what-if scenarios and fears for why I can't make this thing happen. First thing is to change all those thoughts into thoughts that are expansive feeling in your body. The second thing is to connect to the emotions that align with that outcome. So if the outcome I want is again, successful author or successful coach, the feelings that are going to align with that are feelings of gratitude, right? Like so grateful for where I am and excited for what's to come. I feel confident. I feel courageous. I feel bold. You know, those are all feelings that when you feel them in your body, they make you feel expansive, right? But so often the feelings that are there are inadequacy, shame, guilt, like, uh, again, like competition, feelings of fear, feelings of stress, anxiety, you know, those are a lot of the emotions that are usually involved um, in the entrepreneurial ride. And then lastly, the most important key to manifesting anything is like the actions that we take or the actions aligned. I believe that the actions we're willing to take when we're having expansive thoughts and expansive emotions are way bigger, bolder, 
aligns than the actions we're taking when we're coming from contractive thoughts and feelings, right? So if I'm feeling like limited, I don't believe in myself, I feel guilt, I feel shame, I don't have what it takes, then I'm probably going to take really small moves, right? I'm probably going to be paralyzed in inaction. Um, I'll probably hide and not send the email. It's going to be really hard to take the actions that are going to get me my outcome unless those things, three things are aligned. I think the um, personal development world and the whatever spirituality world often says manifestation as a very magical thinking of like, all I have to do is just visualize it and it will happen. But I think you need to have all those three things, the thoughts, feelings, and actions on the wavelength of expansion for your vision to come true. Oh, there's so much to unpack there. I feel like this is lifelong learning on these topics. No matter how many times I read it or come across it, there's just always something new to be learned, to be able to master this, this part of personal development. So I so appreciate these, these tips. What is your best hope for the book? Tell us more about the book. Where can people find it as well and, and gather more of your resources so they can learn? Yeah. So I work with a lot of like engineering minded, more left brain humans. So people who maybe wouldn't say they're an artist or creative, but they're more like, you know, a business analytical minded person. Um, I believe that a well-balanced left, right brain is the ideal. Um, but my, a lot of the people that are drawn to my work tend to be more left-minded. So the book purpose is to really be this bridge where I'm able to talk about these topics like personal development, how to visualize your outcomes and create what you want. Like these topics that I think are not new and in a lot of ways are just ancient wisdom that's been said in different ways in different books. I've been able to find language that resonates and lands for, um, yeah, these types of people who feel like personal development would maybe turn them off. Like they probably wouldn't pick up a personal development book, but they would pick up a book on like how to be a better leader, how to make more money, how to be more successful. Um, and so I find that, yeah, my book's goal is to really be that bridge to bring, um, a lot of ancient wisdom to people who, uh, need to be spoken to a little bit differently and given different examples for these things to land. My biggest hope was just to, to help as many people as possible to reach as many people as possible. And, I feel already really thankful that you know the book launched a couple of weeks ago and it's already in the hands of more than 12,000 people who have either a hardcover audiobook or an ebook. That's totally blown my mind. Like I can't even wrap my head around it. Like when I'm going to sleep, I'm like, there are strangers who were like reading words that I wrote. And it's the coolest feeling too, to feel like, you know, it used to be that I, I felt like I was making an impact like on the call with the client doing the work. So it's really cool to feel like now there's a book that doesn't require me to be in front of someone for them to be helped um, or to get some sort of service. Um, so anyway, I feel grateful that the book is reaching a lot of people. And thanks to Simon & Schuster, it is um, wherever books are sold. Um, so you can find that anywhere. And I'm also really excited because I decided to launch a course that is called Bending Reality Live which deepens all the principles that I mentioned in the book. And so we really take, like you said, there's a lot to unpack. We take these frameworks and we apply them to, well, what's the implication for money? How do we expand money in your life based on aligning the thoughts, feelings, and actions that you can take around wealth? How can we apply this to our health? How can we apply this to our relationships? You know, um, so health and wealth and relationships and our career, like these are all the topics that the book covers. And then I'm excited to go deeper on with whoever reads the book and wants that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, people can think of personal development as airy-fairy until it comes to, let me actually make more money and actually get a partner that I actually like and very tangible things. So I'm, I'm glad uh, I'm glad you're wrapping it really nicely for them so people don't miss the lesson. But that is is so awesome. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show. I know I took away a whole ton and I think uh, people are really going to resonate with the very easy metaphor of expansion and contraction. And it gives you really good language and things that you can do every day just to be a little bit closer and a little bit more effective at getting what you want versus things that you know aren't doing you justice. So thank you for sharing your wisdom today on the podcast. My pleasure, Chloe. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Make sure you go and check out Victoria's work. You can find her at victoriasong.me. Go and grab a copy of her book and connect with her, especially if you want to get more of her gems of wisdom. But until next time, get started right now.